So we're reading through these gospel accounts. Even on Wednesdays, we, we drop a, uh, a podcast on Wednesday mornings for the verse or the chapter, whatever we're reading that particular, particular day. So all of these are attempts to be touches as we read through. And I know, what I was saying is I know that uh, reading the Bible, Christian, we're going to read the Bible through in the year. How many times have I read Genesis 1, right? How many times? Maybe didn't make it to Numbers or Deuteronomy, right? So we want you to pick up right now, John chapter 8 tomorrow. And John chapter 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, I don't know if there are five more concentrated, amazing chapters. Not to be ridiculous, because the scripture is so intense anyway, but John 8 is the woman in adultery, and John 9, the entire chapter is about the healing of the blind man, and it wasn't just the healing, but it was everything else that was done in the Sabbath account, and the bringing in of his parents, and all of these things that are so much human interest in rising conflict. What a great chapter 9. And in 10, we hear that he's the good shepherd. You've probably heard and seen pictures of Jesus with the, the lamb over his shoulder. I'm the good shepherd. That's John 10. I'm the gateway, he says. I'm the door in John 10. 11 is the raising of Lazarus. The raising of Lazarus. And then in 12, he begins from 12 to 21 21 chapters in John, from 12 to 21, he begins talking about the last week of his life. I just think that's amazing that John writes 21 chapters, and 12 to 21, half of them, half of the book, is the last week of his life. I think that's incredible. I don't want that to be lost on us, how intent John would be to present that to us. So, when I'm looking through here, I was reading, I'm like, oh my goodness, I have literally, it's probably fair to say, I have preached dozens, if not a hundred messages out of these five chapters through the years. They are just intense. So what an excellent place to start. You just start in John 8. So I'm on the way to church this morning, and I'm riding with Chip. He's my 13-year-old son. And we're riding along, and I said, buddy, man, there are like 10,000 things that I want to preach today. He looks over and he goes, Make it one sentence, Dad. He's feeling for you. <laughs> He's not even up here. Make it one sentence, Dad. And honestly, I'm like, I said, okay, I will. I can. First Timothy 3.16 was on my mind already, and it hit me, and I want us to read it. This is the one sentence. This is the one sentence that captures what I want to speak to you about today, the stuff that's been bubbling around in my heart and in my mind. And without controversy. Do you know what that means? Great is the mystery of godliness. There's no controversy about it being controversial. That's what that means. There is no controversy about how controversial this can be. There's no controversy. There's no big discussion. I mean, you can have one, but this says it's empty and, and waste, waste of time. To nail down exactly what Jesus is all about and exactly how it happened and exactly where he was and when it happened and was he born in uh, 4 B.C. and then died in 28 or was it 32 and what about that and who was there then and did it was it a Thursday or was it a Friday and do we do Passover and does it match Jewish Passover does it match Christian Passover and the day starts at 6 p.m. so was it Thursday night and ended Friday and did he die yesterday at 3 or was it and I could go on 
He says, there's no controversy about it being a controversy. No controversy about the mystery of godliness. Colon, which makes it one sentence. (laughs) God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Great is the mystery. A lot of times when you're in this pulpit and you take this microphone, there is pressure to have to have the answers. There is pressure to nail it down. People have questions in life. Let me just lift the pastoral curtain and let you see that for a minute, right? People come in with questions, wanting answers. They've tried other things. Maybe this is their first stop. Maybe it's their last stop. And they're like, I need to get an answer. I've got an answer for you, but it may not, it may not suit your rational mind. It may not suit the ABCD with a bow on it. But the answer is this. Jesus is resurrected. That's the answer that I have for you. There's a lot of pages in this book we carry around. And the answer that I've found as I study it is Jesus is resurrected. That's what I've got for you. And I would say it's what's worked for me for three decades. He's resurrected. It brings hope when I need hope. It brings power when I need power. It's something I can trust in. But it's a mystery. It's a mystery. And we can try to nail it down, and we love that. We love nailing stuff down because we don't want to be wrong. It's not a weird thing. We don't want to be wrong. We, we don't want to run down the wrong road. That's my prayer. I'm like, Lord Jesus, that's been my prayer my entire adult life and probably into my teens. I do not want to go barking down the wrong road and be 72 and go, What? I gave my whole life to this. That's been an actual prayer for me. Lord, realign me, connect me, put me into the right space. We say it on Wednesdays if you hear the podcast. Almost every Wednesday, one of us opens it up with Jesus is the way. Everything else is a conversation because it's a mystery. You see, the resurrection was a miracle. But it was more than a miracle. It was a mission. See, Jesus was culminating a mission. Miracle for sure. I was reading out of John 8, which is what, if you'll join us, you'll be reading that tomorrow, out of the Passion Translation, John 8, verse 56. Take a look at this. Very interesting, just kind of dropped in there. Got that, bro? Thank you. Not only that, Abraham, your ancestor, was overjoyed when he received the revelation of my coming to earth. So Abraham was excited. Abraham. Abraham received the revelation of Jesus coming to earth. It says, yes, he foresaw me coming and he was filled with delight. What an incredible thing to consider. 
And some of the editorials and commentaries say that when Abraham bound his son Isaac to offer him, and a ram was caught in a thicket, in that moment, some would say, that's when the revelation happened. There'll be something given for me to save me. But what a mystery. And to tuck that in, John, John, tuck that in. Right? He's listing all these miracles that prove Jesus is the Son of God. That's his angle, right? Jesus is the Son of God. So he presents all these miracles to say, seven of them actually, to say Jesus is the Son of God. And then he just kind of tucks this thing in. Fifty years this book was written after Jesus resurrected. Fifty years later, one of the last accounts in your Bible. I could say one of the most modern additions to your Bible. And he tucks that in. He said, Abraham saw me coming and was happy, <laughs> rejoiced. And I began to think about this. I don't know how you piece this apart, but I began to think about, is it so amazing that Jesus rose from the dead? I mean, I, I guess, but it wasn't unique. Other people rose from the dead. This week, you'll read John chapter 11, where Lazarus rose from the dead. And Lazarus was such a big deal, but Jesus raised the, the, the widow's son. Sometimes we act like the, the, the resurrection post-Calvary by Jesus was some big deal, some uniquely big deal, because he rose from the dead. But, I don't know, other people rose from the dead. That's not, I mean, that's not controversial. You can read that. Other people rose from the dead. And then I wondered about, well, maybe, maybe it's like you forgiving sin, right? Because... Uh, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, right? Some of you could quote that with me. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. So there's this healing, stripes, wounding, blood thing, sin, healing, all that. I thought, I wonder if that's it. I mean, it says clearly he was wounded for our transgression, and by his stripes we were healed. But Jesus was forgiven sin before he went to Calvary. He looked at the man dropped through the ceiling, and he said, your sins be forgiven. And that's what smoked everybody. They were all like, what? He said, let me tell you this. You think it's, I can't forgive sin, I can heal him? How about, can I do both? And he heals him. Sins remitted. To the woman caught in the very act of adultery, again, John chapter 8, he looks at her and he says, I don't condemn you. No condemnation from me. She was sinning. Clearly, in the very act, he's like, all good here. What? Interesting. And to bring healing, I mean, I know what Isaiah says. I read it just like you read it. To bring healing. Yet, the gospels that we've read over the last several months are full, full, brimming with healings. So there's something else. I'm not downplaying the celebration. The celebration should be as high and as deep and as broad and as full and as rich as we can sing it. And let me tell you why, I think. Because of what you feel here. That's the mystery. That's the mystery. It's not this stuff. 
And I study and read. I try to read things other people don't read. Like that's an intentional thing I do as a pastor. I try to read things that other people might not be reading to be helpful. But the thing that makes it different, his death from another and healing and forgiveness and the whole package that was the cross but came alive at resurrection, the difference that I just want you to consider is what you're feeling here. That, I just call it that tug. (laughs) That thing where great is the mystery. And and I wonder if we're okay with that. My encouragement would be, I hope we can be okay with it. I hope we can be okay with not having to figure everything out. I hope we can be okay with trusting a Savior that I can't do a PowerPoint presentation on. To me, when I figure him out, it makes him less. That's just me. When I can figure out the miracle, it ceases to be a miracle. I love the tension. I love the mystery. Possibly because I was reared in a a religious group that had it all figured out. Vic and I joke around about it. We came from the same culture. I said, man, not only do they have everything right, but they didn't have anything wrong. Like, it's just perfect. When I was in that space, I thought, how lucky. I hit the lucky gene pool to be born into that group. There was a lucky gene pool. They were the Jews. They didn't get it done. I wasn't the only one. It doesn't get done outside of Messiah. It doesn't get done outside of Jesus. And let me just toss the punchline to you right now. The point of this is not to be articulate and figure it out. The point of it is to believe. That's it right there. The point will not be how articulate I can be, how well studied I am, or my ability to figure it out, my ability to communicate it effectively. This thing, funny, I hear a commercial from out east. This place runs on Duncan. Okay, Duncan, yeah. That commercial, Holy Spirit, boom, (laughs) Dunkin' Donuts. This place runs on belief. This thing, this journey, runs on believing in who he is. Let me throw some things up here real quickly. John 8, 11 and 12. I told you John 8 is the woman in adultery. Look at what Jesus says. He says, where are your accusers? And she says, no one, Lord. And Jesus says to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And then Jesus spoke to them again right after that. Right after that, he says, I am. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. John 8, you're going to read the story of that woman. He said, I don't condemn you either which is a mind blower enough for me. And then he goes into this. Hey, friends, he looks around everybody. Hey, I'm the light of the world. It's a mystery. How that works, but I believe it. John chapter 9 is the wonderful chapter about the blind man. And in verse 35, Jesus hears that they cast this guy out. This is such an excellent chapter, so fun. 
It should be a little sitcom. John chapter 9 could be a little 30-minute sitcom. It is perfect. Like the guy is bumping around. He's blind from birth. Jesus spits in mud, makes a mud pack, pops it in his eyes, goes and washes in this pool at Salome, and his eyes are clear, and he's healed, and he can see, and he's supposed to go show himself. So, so word gets out, and people heard it, and some believed and some didn't because he did it on the Sabbath. That can't be lost on us. This is about believing. They didn't believe because of the day he did the miracle. Like the old boy can see, but we're like, well, I know you can see, but I'm not really sure it counts because of the day it was done. That is quintessential, have to figure it out. That is quintessential, coming in with a paradigm. And when Jesus working doesn't fit the paradigm, we just dismiss it. The old boy is standing there looking at you and seeing you for the first time in his life, but we dismiss it because it doesn't match our filter. That's not just us. That's been happening a long time. Right there. And then they're like, we can't even believe he was blind from birth. Go call his parents. Right? And the parents come in, and then they're scared they're going to get kicked out of the temple, so they're like, he is old enough to answer. <laughs> Ask him, right? It's just funny. And then he comes in, and they say, what happened to you? He goes, I can see. I couldn't, but I can now. They're like, huh, he is full of the devil. What happened to you? He goes, well, still, kind of like I said before, I can see. Literally, they ask him several times. And at one point, he's like, are y'all going to believe are y'all asking me this so you'll become believers in who he is? Is that what's going on here? And they're like, this is beautiful. And they said, who are you to question us? This shows who they are. You were born, you ready for this? You were born a filthy sinner. Filthy, apparently, because the chapter opens, by the way, with the disciples saying, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents? See, we have these paradigms. We have these, we have these constructs that we bring in that when something's going wrong, somebody sinned because punishment is what happens. They needed to go back and read John 8 where the woman was caught in the very act and he goes, I don't even condemn you. We bring that junk. It's not helpful. Can I say that anyway? All that stuff, those FedEx truckloads of things that we bring to the game when he says, just believe. Just believe. You're a filthy sinner. You were born a filthy sinner. Man, those guys were too. Again, John 8, he that is without sin, let him first cast a stone. I'm pretty sure everybody dropped their stones. Proving what? They're all sinners, right? Jesus heard that they'd cast him out. So they kicked this guy out of the temple. And when, they, when he found him, Jesus is looking for you today. When he found him, Jesus found him. He said to him, do you what? Here's what we're talking about. This place runs on faith. This place runs on belief. This journey, this thing, this resurrected life is a mystery. But he asked that question, do you believe in the Son of God? And the guy answers. He says, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus says, You've been talking to him, Hoss. Like you have both, and this is cool, right? Having been blind his whole life, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking to you. And then he said, Lord, I believe. I believe. Now let's be honest. How many of us would say, 
I believe, but a lot of people ask me questions. Could you tell me what you did with the mud? Could you tell me how that mud thing worked? I might be that guy. Could you tell me how that, I used to be that guy. Would you tell me how that mud thing worked? Because that, that could come in handy. Figure out how to do that. The question is the question for all of us from resurrection. Do you believe? Not do you have your stuff all squared away. Not have you changed from before you saw him to after you saw him. Just do you believe? It's a great mystery. There's mission in it. Purpose. In 10, verse 9, these are things Jesus is saying. In chapter 10, verse 9, he talks about being the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life and freedom and satisfaction. Now, come on. This is church. But if we were in a seminar, we're up in Romine Hall on a Saturday or maybe even here today. But you look at that. You're the gateway. Okay. And enter through you. Doesn't that sound like the John chapter 3? We're hanging out in John, aren't we? John chapter 3 when he looks at Nicodemus and he says you have to be born again. Is there a theme here? Is there a theme? You have to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, Nicodemus is the teacher of Israel. He's the teacher of Israel. And he says, how can a man be born again? How can a man go back into his mother's womb when, you know, and all that story? And Jesus looks at him and he's like, dude, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't understand what I'm talking about? Literally, that's, that was the translation. He's like, dude, you don't understand? You don't get that? To go through Jesus is to experience life and freedom and satisfaction. And I can tell you how to do it. I can tell you how it starts. Believe. But there's so much I don't understand. Totally get it. Totally get it. I didn't say you believe because of this. I said you believe because of this. Something about it. On the road to Emmaus, the two men that walked with Jesus after his resurrection, they looked at each other, and after he disappeared, they looked at each other and they said, didn't our hearts burn within us when he was talking? Now, friend, I have experienced that. I have experienced what, and that's just that thing I feel where I'm like, his his presence is here. I just, I sense them different places. And I don't think it makes me unique or super spiritual. It's just that response to that thing. It's a great mystery. And that's okay. It's the mystery that makes it miraculous. It's the mystery that makes it miraculous. Look what else he says in John 10, verse 14, 18. I mentioned it earlier. He says, I'm the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I'm known by my own. And as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. All this metaphor, right? I'm the door, I'm the gateway, I'm the road, I'm the, I'm the shepherd. Other sheep I have, this is beautiful, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Okay, I was good with you saving us, but what? What do you mean other sheep? Who are they? The disciples had that moment. Jesus was healing a boy. 
and they said, hey, Lord, thanks a lot for doing that. There's some people over here that are casting out devils in your name. Should we go kill them? <laughs> you can't make that up. Should, should we go kill them? And you know what he says? If you're not against me, you're for me. Now that statement right there takes a lot of our paradigms and blows them apart. If you're not against me, you're for me. What about all the other stuff? I'm for Jesus. Yeah, but I see, how you, I see what you did the other day. And I see what you look like. And I see who you're living with. And I see what's going on. And I see what you did last Tuesday. We're going to have to talk to Jesus about you. And Jesus is going to talk to you about you. And he's going to say, if they're not against me, they're for me. It's a mystery. We love it to be clean. We love it to be homogenous. We love it to be all one flavor. That's what we love. That ain't it. He said, I have other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock. Come on, somebody. One flock and one shepherd. Man, I love that. One flock and one shepherd. My father loves me because I lay down my life that I may. Here's what he does. He takes it up again. This is the great mystery. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. And this command I have received from my father. You see, he, has, he was all in control. Maybe other people died. When Lazarus died, Jesus wept at that moment. And some commentaries say he was so angry at what the devil did. Let me tell you right now, when Jesus Christ died, the devil didn't have anything to do with it. He couldn't lift a finger one way or another. They couldn't even get their lying testimony straight. Jesus had to go, you guys are morons. I'm the son of God. He had to convict himself. He was up there and he said, don't you know I could call legions of angels? A lot of times, I was a public school teacher in high school. And I was talking to this one guy. He was kind of sparky, a little bit bigger than I was actually as a senior. And I think he thought he could take, I think he thought he could take a shot at the title is really what I think was going on. So I'm, I'm standing there talking to this dude. And I said, man, you're going to need to come in. You're going to need to come in and do a few minutes with me at lunch today. He said, I ain't doing it. I said, well, okay. If you don't come in at lunch, you're going to come in after school for a little bit longer so I ain't doing that either. Okay. If you don't come in after school, then you're going to get an in-school suspension. I know you're not doing that either. I know. Then it'll be an out-of-school suspension. Then people in dark suits with guns are going to come in and escort you into front of somebody with a big dark robe on, and he's going to tell you exactly what you're going to do. So why don't you just come in today for 15 minutes at lunch? Because, my dear friend, this is not a power struggle. I have all the power here. This is not a power struggle. I have all the authority in this moment. I have all the power. You stepped out of the line. I, 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 elementary school teacher. She nods amen. This is not a power struggle. I have all the power here. What happens in those moments is grace and mercy and kindness and generosity 
and long-suffering. Jesus had all the power. It's an incredible mystery that he would do that. In John 11, it's Lazarus. Some of you know this, and it's so appropriate. Arnick, why don't you bring your team up here, pal? John eleven twenty five. Jesus looks to her and he says, this is about Lazarus, right? And he looks and he says, I'm the resurrection and I'm the life. What's it say next? He who figures it out. That is not what it says. That is not what the Lord said. I am the resurrection and the life. It's a great mystery. It's a great mystery. What's even more mysterious about it is the one that believes in me. The one that believes in me, the resurrected one. The one that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And he asks the question that is the question for all of us this morning. Do you believe this? Thank you, John. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> That's the question for every single one of us here today. Every single one. I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, he'll live. And he looks at them and he just says, do you believe this? And they reply, yes, Lord, you know, I believe. And then there's this whole thing about, I understand in the resurrection and the afterlife. Da, 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 da. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about now. What's amazing about this miracle? The sisters, Mary and Martha, had a brother, Lazarus. That's the guy that died. And they said to the Lord, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died, right? That shows their faith at a particular level. We had faith for you to heal our brother. We don't have any faith for you to raise him from the dead. He looks to us. He looks to you. He looks to me. And he asks simply, do you believe? And if the answer is yes, then the mystery kicks in. And the miracle kicks in. And things happen that are greater than the things we had in our mind. Great is the mystery. Great is the mystery. Jeremy, I want to go to Romans 10, 9 and 10. Many of you could probably quote this. I want to give it to you in the context of the book of John. Paul is writing to the church in Rome during the era of the Roman Empire. This was where it was happening. This wasn't some sidebar, backwater town somewhere. This is the church in Rome. He says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. It's in quotes. That's all you have to say. Jesus is Lord. I believe Jesus is Lord. But what's the other thing? Believe. 
believe in your heart. A lot of times, a lot of times I think, I think that we're like, I got to get this right to believe. Huh? I got to get this right. I got to get this all figured out up here. I can't believe until I, until I get this part right. Until I get all the ducks in a row. Everything lined. This part has to be right. That's not what this is saying. He's not telling us to believe in our mind. He's telling us to believe in our heart. That's the mystery. To believe in that place of emotion. To believe in that place of feeling. Your heart. To believe in that spot. He said, if you do that, if you see Jesus as Lord, and you just, you just believe. You didn't figure it all out. You can tell people today, they're like, hey, did you go to church this morning? I sure did. What would you hear? Heard a message about the resurrection. Did you figure it all out? Nope. <laughs> nope. I got one thing. It's a mystery. And I'm called to believe from my heart. And when I believe in my heart, he says you'll be saved. Then he goes on, verse 10. For it's with your heart that you believe. It's in your heart. With your heart you believe. And you're justified. All that mess that's in your way, all that stuff that's keeping you, the back sins, the past stuff, the failures, the junk you're planning on doing this week, like all those things, justified means it's just as if I'd never done it. You're made innocent. Made innocent through faith in who he is. Made innocent through believing. I shouldn't have to preach this long about this because it's so simple. But that's why I have to preach this long about it, because it's so simple. That's the truth. It's, it's such a mystery, and it's so simple, and it's so right there. I believe in who he is, and I believe that he resurrected, and that's what we're celebrating today. And clearly, you're here celebrating, but something in my pastor heart tells me that there are folks in here that need to believe it. And when you do, you're justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. I have asked them to sing this song, especially as we close today. It is about who he is and his name. And when Abraham looked ahead and he saw and he was overjoyed, what in the world did he see? What, what in the world? He was just filled with delight and rejoiced at my coming. So many of us do that because we've tasted and we rejoice at the thought of you coming, you coming to that space and taking it real, believing not just that he's Lord, but that he's resurrected. And not with my mind, but with my heart because it is a mystery. And I embrace the mystery. What a beautiful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. What a powerful name it is. Has anyone in this room ever found yourself in a spot? This is a question I'd like you to answer. You have ever found yourself in a spot and you got out the word Jesus and something changed immediately. Like, we were going to die. We were going to get hit by a car on 4th, uh, 5th Street over here. 
just a few months ago. I'm clueless, as I usually am, <laughs> driving along. And Melinda's like, hey, 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 Jesus. <laughs> that got my attention. Knew she wasn't calling me. That got my attention. Yeah, we were, we were as good as dead. Where's Brian and Sarah? We were coming to meet you all for dinner that night at Roadhouse. We almost got killed on the way there. I mean, it was, it was a miraculous. Anybody else ever called his name and seen something happen? Change immediately. We're going to need you to explain that a little bit later, if you could. It's a mystery. It's a mystery that he can be everywhere, indwell us, be with us, all things to us. Lord of heaven, earth, under the earth. It's a mystery. I believe it. I believe it. So when we sing this, and especially maybe even today, when we sing that bridge, right? Death cannot hold you, veil torn before you. What he did to the power of the sin in the grave, right? Heavens are roaring. Let your belief be expressed. Sing your belief. Sing your faith. I'm encouraging you. Take a step into that space. Do you believe this? That's what he's asking. What a beautiful name it is. 